This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Good morning. Welcome to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton with you this morning on the Zoom call. Wrapping up a, a busy week. I hope it was a good week that was informative for you. Um, and I know today will be too because it's one of my very favorite guests uh, is with us this morning. Dan Cotter's with us, who's the author of U.S. Chief Justices. He's an attorney. Uh, he's a Supreme Court expert. Or he's my Supreme Court expert anyway. Uh, and good morning, Dan. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Linda. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Dan's in Chicago, and because of the miracle of Zoom, we're able to talk with him. And the timing is pretty darn good. So yesterday was an interesting day, Dan. Um, talk to me about it, because on the one hand, you kind of scratch your head, and on the other, you shake your head. Uh, tell me your, your view of what happened yesterday. Sure. So uh, we're talking about the Supreme Court, and yesterday uh, they released one opinion that had to do with Social Security, and then later in the day they released the two opinions on the uh, Biden administration's uh, mandatory vaccines, one for employers of over 100 employees and one for uh, healthcare workers. Uh, in the first case, in the in the case involving OSHA, the Office of Safety and Health Administration, the uh, court ruled 6-3 uh, that OSHA had exceeded its powers uh, when it uh, issued the emergency rule requiring vaccinations at uh, those workplaces. Uh, for employers uh, that was set in place in November. And and in the second case, it was a 5-4 decision uh, upholding uh, the ability of healthcare employers to require their uh, employees to be vaccinated under the CMS's authority. And so very interesting cases. I think think, um, as we talked about before this started, uh, one of the things that I think is happening more and more uh, that we see with, with this court is, is that the uh, justices seem to be playing more of a political uh, acting role. Uh, for example, at oral arguments this week and for these arguments about the vaccines and the uh, COVID-19 and Omicron, uh, Justice uh, Neil Gorsuch uh, decided not to wear a mask in the uh, courtroom. And uh, several of the participants were remote because of uh, they had tested positive for COVID. Uh, Justice Sotomayor, as a result, uh, did did oral arguments from the from her chambers because she has uh, type one diabetes. Uh, at the same time, uh, Justice Sotomayor had, had asked a question. She's been criticized, and, and it was factually incorrect. She talked about a hundred thousand children in serious condition from COVID, and uh, many of them on ventilators. And she's been uh, approached by that. And there's there's a lot of. Uh, analysis out there, a lot of uh, uh, blaming and fault uh, of her for that. She wasn't correct with that. Um, but it, but again, it's it, it's looking more and more like uh, the, the justices are speaking to their constituents, and that's not probably a good thing for us overall, as we'll get into. Yeah, so, so if that's the case, so then... Um that really, you know, and we've talked about this so many times, the politics of the court 
which are not supposed to be there. I'm sorry, but they're not. They're not. Uh, and I understand the reality of the world, but I'm just saying, it seems to me we keep edging closer and closer to where this becomes, your seat on the court becomes a political um, venue, uh, a, a podium for politics that we just really probably shouldn't be seeing in my, in my opinion. I, I agree. And we, we never used to have this. As I read about in my Chief Justice's book, uh, up until 1918, there was only one case where uh, the parties, uh, the, the justices were aligned in a, in a decision uh, that was based on their political, how they had been appointed by which type of which president, Republican or Democrat. And that was with respect to a tax uh, code uh, case, a very technical case. We are seeing this more and more with the uh, politicization of the court. And it's problematic from my perspective. We've talked about it previously with you. Uh, we, we saw this when we started, when, when Justice Scalia passed away and and President Obama uh, nominated Merrick Garland and uh, the Senate would not even hear him uh, or, or speak with him. And then Neil Gorsuch got in, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, who's now talking about uh, blowing up the filibuster as a serious offense uh, back in 2017. Uh, he, he did just that with the filibuster to, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, to confirm Gorsuch. And then we had Kavanaugh and then uh, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed uh, you know, very late, right, right before the election. And so, we, and now we see Chuck Grassley and others on, uh, from the Republicans saying that if there is a vacancy in 2022, uh, that, that there will not be anybody uh, confirmed. And so we may be in a situation where a democratically appointed uh, justice never gets on the court in our lifetimes again, which again, it shows how political this is. And for those that say, well, that's fine, you know, that's how it should be. We need a court that's not so liberal. The, the reality of this is, is that uh, if you look at that whole situation over the last five years of, of how justices have been appointed to the Supreme Court, it, it tells us something that this is, in fact, a very political body, because what we're seeing here with these types of decisions, uh, if we had a court that still had Ruth Bader Ginsburg or somebody else on it uh, that, that uh, was more balanced, uh, we wouldn't be seeing these types of decisions. On uh, this one yesterday, the uh, OSHA case went 6-3. Uh, with the three liberals in dissent. So it is a dangerous time, I think, and we can talk about how it might affect others, uh, notwithstanding the, the vaccine debate. Well, I guess one of the things that bothers me a lot, Dan, is um, I, I, don't know the, I don't know that much about the law. I'm just an average taxpayer, just an average citizen. But I find the, I find the subject interesting, obviously, or I wouldn't have read your book, which Right, right. <laughs> which, which I did and, and thoroughly enjoyed. Um, but so to me, the concept of the court, and this is what bothers me, the concept of the court to me has always been that final line of neutral uh, review of the law and, uh, and results of that. Um, and that is supposed to be neutral, and that is supposed to be the Supreme Court decision. Do you understand what I'm? I'm not. I'm not yeah. verbalizing that well, but you know what I'm saying. So to me, I find this very offensive. You, you, you are not alone. I, I uh, 
as you know, I, I follow the court. I write about it weekly, and uh, I, I have great concerns. I've compared this court to uh, what was known as the Lochner era in the early 1900s. There was an upstate uh, bakers uh, with German immigrants uh, in New York, and the New York legislature passed uh, some labor uh, laws that limited the number of hours that uh, young Germans could work in that, in these uh, bakeries. And uh, the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, very concerning back in those days, uh, they uh, became a super legislature and, and knew more than the, the legislative bodies and the experts and scientists and yeah. social workers that were in the community that passed these laws. Uh, you know, the, the underpinning of the Constitution at the state level and federal level is, is we have these separations, right? And the legislative body is when it creates laws and the executive uh, has agencies under it that are delegated powers from Congress. And, and what, what we're seeing here is we have nine uh, unelected individuals, very smart by, by no doubt, but, but they're, they're trained to be lawyers. And, and now they're diving into the epidemiology of, of the virus, they're, they're uh, making decisions that is very troubling and it is very sad. And uh, again, I don't think that's a good path that we're on in terms of where we're headed. Well, again, division of powers, that's what it's supposed to be about. And their job is not to legislate. So we're going to go to break. We're going to come back and talk more with Dan. I want to talk about some things that are, are ahead and how those are going to affect us as citizens. We'll do that in just a moment on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton with you this morning on the Zoom call. I am so very happy to have with me author Dan Cotter attorney, expert on the, our expert on the uh, U.S. Supreme Court and the author of the book, U.S. Justices, um, Chief Justices. Uh, so, Dan, this is obviously a time when the Supreme Court seems to be sitting smack dab in the middle of the spotlight uh, right now and moving forward. They have some things ahead of them that have the potential to impact every person in the United States of America, quite frankly. Um, and, and they, I mean, I, that's their power. I, you know, I understand that, but there's some things coming down the road here um, that are going to have some serious fallout on how, what we are able to do as Americans, what we are able to do as citizens, how we function. There are indeed. And uh, a couple of cases that are, are being heard this uh, term uh, have to do with uh, delegation doctrine, which is uh, something that the, the Supreme Court in 1983, I believe it was in a case involving Chevron, the oil company, uh, talked about agencies having the ability to be delegated uh, authority. Uh, as we know, uh, Congress, as we know it, uh, gets very few bills through in this hyper-partisan arena, but the bills they do get through are, are kind of general guidelines for how agencies and uh, other other branch uh, participants are to, to function. Um, Neil Gorsuch, uh, from from his early days as a lawyer and his, his lawyer 
is judging on a circuit court of appeals and others in this court have really been focused on, on taking down the administrative state. Um, and there's two cases this uh, term, one was a, a week or so ago uh, that was heard about delegation doctrine. And there's one that involves the Environmental Protection Agency. And, and you may say, well, so what, who, who cares? But what, what would happen uh, when, when uh, the Supreme Court is likely to uh, say that the Chevron deference doctrine is no longer good law is that uh, many agencies are going to be crippled because, again, the laws that they have, such as the OSHA law that was at uh, issue in this vaccine uh, mandate uh, case uh, that was decided yesterday, uh, agencies are given broad uh, delegation and they implement various things. And so, again, uh, the vaccine, you may not care about the, uh, you may not be a healthcare worker, uh, but this can affect Social Security Administration. It can affect uh, Medicare and Medicaid if you uh, are subject to those types of insurance. It can affect the Postal Service in terms of what those agencies can do. Because this court, once they start saying uh, that you can't delegate to these agencies, uh, you have to be very explicit. Just think about how much of a standstill the federal government would come to. And again, there, there may be overgrowth of the federal government over the years. But at the same time, a lot of the services we rely on and that we depend on, TSA, uh, you know, uh, highway administration, all these things have a, have an potential to impact us. And if the Supreme Court continues to go down this road of saying the administrative state uh, is gone, we're dismantling it, I think that can have a, a direct impact on all listeners. And it, that's a, a real concern of mine. Well, and, and uh, another troubling part of the problem is this tendency to um, revisit existing laws that have worked. Um, and, and I'm going to use uh, the most obvious, Roe versus Wade, which really has become such a political football that it, you can't even have a logical conversation about it. Uh, and and the, the irony never ceases to to uh, uh, amaze me that we can say what people can and can't do uh, with about vaccines, but uh, you know uh, we we won't let people we won't let women decide what to do with their bodies. So, I mean the the the, the insanity of that is just almost more than I can get my real old brain around. But but what I'm talking about is we're we're in this phase now. It seems like where. Um, laws that have worked, things that have been fine, we're now going to go back and we're going to reevaluate. And this court, this court, this group of brilliant people is going to decide whether or not it's really worth keeping that law. That's a, that's that's a, a little fact. troubling. Uh, you think? I mean, it, it is, and, and you, you hit the nail on the head. I, I've seen so many times that before the court decided the cases yesterday, my body, my choice, and uh, with respect to vaccines and masking and all the other stuff, and it is a uh, pretty rich irony uh, that when it comes to Roe and other uh, rights that, that we may have, uh, that people are saying, well, you don't have those that ability, I can control you as well. Uh, but again, uh, I do think uh, the court, you know, as we've talked about on previous uh, discussions, uh, we'll decide Roe v. Wade this year, probably not uh, not upholding it. Uh, but there is that. Uh, you're absolutely right. In, in this revisiting of laws, uh, this court being 
smarter than all other courts and, and all yeah. other legislative bodies that have existed. Uh, again, I think we're on this, this path and I really, uh, I've referred to this court as Lochner too, as we talked about the Lochner case from the early 1900s. That went on for, for almost uh, 40 years until uh, FDR started talking about court packing. Uh, this time, you know, we don't have the ability to court pack or anything else. That's that's the real uh, dilemma I think we're in is that as we move forward and try to navigate and figure out, well, how do we address this? There's no real good solutions. The uh, Biden Supreme Court Commission came out with its recommendations, if you call them that, but it was a very kind of milk toast, uh, you know, partisan, heavily divided partisan group that, that uh, addressed it. It really came up with no recommendations for expanding the yeah. court or, or doing anything. And so... The reality is, is we have a 6-3 court here. Uh, Roberts and the uh, Roberts and Kavanaugh yesterday were part of the five-person majority on the CMS case, uh, and so, but but in many cases, you've got this five-person, uh, very conservative block that even if Roberts wants to try to temper the court, he really doesn't have the ability to uh, pull them back, and so that that's what we have looking ahead uh, for many decades, and again. Uh, it, it to me is is very troubling. Yeah, I, and I guess. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I, th I think I think it's the mystery of the court that probably keeps us as uh, regular ordinary citizens from really understanding what's going on. We get the we get the blurbs, we get the the the, the breaking news headlines. Uh, the Supreme Court has said yada 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 yada, and we turn around and walk out of the room. I mean. I, I I think there is that mystery of the court that prevents us sometimes from fully understanding that what they are doing, these are men and women sitting there in robes uh, determining my future as a citizen of this country. And we really have very little say in it. Um, and the conservatives accomplished what they had worked so long to do, and that's to stack the court. And so now we've got it. Um, it's... How much fallout are we going to face? Yeah, and again, there's no real solutions, and so this is what what they fought so hard for, and you know it was a masterful strategy. It uh, was, but again, uh, that's where we're at. And again, I you know I, I try to find a silver lining, but you know I really am struggling with with how this court can be uh, looked back upon historically is anything other than a very political body uh, that has changed uh, the United States. Yeah, forever. Absolutely. We're going to go to break, come back and talk with Dan about some things that you as a citizen should keep an eye on as we move forward through the year. We'll do that in just a moment on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton with you on the Zoom call this morning. Author of U.S. Chief Justices, Dan Cotter is with us. Uh, Dan is our, uh, I am so grateful to say, our, uh, our, our expert on the U.S. Supreme Court. And so we have him on as, as often as we possibly can to catch up with the court and what's happening. So we have a better understanding. I still say the mystery of the court is hard for any of us to quite grasp in terms of what's happening. So Dan, give us an idea. We, we, we know 
uh, Roe versus Wade is inevitably going to happen. What are the things going forward during this term that we should kind of keep an eye on? And again, I understand we have no control over it, but what should we be aware of? Well, there's that case that, that will come down and, you know, the way that the Supreme Court generally operates is that it comes out with very few opinions or decisions uh, during the term. Uh, they'll come out in dribs and drabs. Most of them are non-controversial cases that involve uh, very arcane uh, statutory matters, whether it's tax or water rights or something else. Uh, you know, they came out with a case yesterday about pensions for certain technicians and Social Security Administration that I still don't understand. Uh, but what happened? What will happen is, is starting in June, uh, through the end of June, early July, uh, the Supreme Court will come out with its uh, major decisions, including, uh, as you mentioned, the uh, uh, cases uh, that involve uh, Roe v. Wade and, and Planned Parenthood. Uh, there's, a, there's an interesting case that was heard uh, in October, I believe, or early November, that had to do with uh, concealed carry in New York City and the expectation from listening to that oral argument uh, from these justices, again, that probably have never been on the subway in their life. Uh, there, were, yeah, there, were, there were questions from Alito and from, from Chief Justice Roberts about, isn't it better if we have more guns on the New York subways? Uh, <laughs> you're right. I, I kid you not. And, and so I, I would expect that that hundred and something year old oh, uh, law that's, that's in New York uh, will will be overturned under under Heller and the cases that came out uh, over the last several decades that have to do with gun guns rights. Um, we'll see these cases, as we mentioned, on the administrative state, um, and and we'll see some other cases. Um, but those are the main, like the the big ticket items, the the ones that will be uh, multiple dissents and everything else. Uh, the reason that these cases on uh, the vaccines came out was because the court. Uh, use their uh, emergency docket uh, because of these are questions that are of vast importance and the mandates were going into effect Monday this week. So uh, they they issued those opinions and, you know, there were dissents in both of them. So that's what we have to look forward to. Um, the, the, this, this court has taken uh, less uh, cases. There, there's a process where they consider uh, and grant what they call certiorari uh, which means that the case is going to be heard. Uh, th th this uh, Roberts Court has been much less active in terms of the number of cases per year. Over the last couple of years, it's only had about 63 substantive cases. And this year, I think they've only granted about 40, 45 cases total. So there's still some room on their docket uh, for other uh, major matters to come up. I would, I would expect other abortion cases to come up. I would expect other types of uh, things and challenges to things like same-sex marriage, I think is not going to be on the agenda because I've yeah. seen uh, folks in Texas and other places talk about uh, outlawing homosexuality again. So uh, more to come on that. I, th I think, again, we'll see what this court uh, grants for cert. And then, you know, people will be looking in June, I think, to see whether Justice Breyer retires. Uh, what I've told people is at this point, it really doesn't matter, honestly, because even if you replace him, you're still at a 6-3 disadvantage. It's not going to change the game, the uh, uh, players on the board. So that's what we have to, to look forward to in the next uh, several months with this court. Well, and Grass has already said they're not going to let anything happen. So, you right. know, this, this constant uh, no, nothing's going to happen attitude is very frustrating. 
yeah, it's a, it's an interesting court attitude in terms of taking away rights as opposed to allowing rights. And it's kind of frustrating. And I sure appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge and your information with us. We will talk to you again as the process goes forward, uh, just to stay in touch with reality <laughs> on what's happening. <laughs> and hopefully one of these days I'll have some optimistic news. My word of the year is optimism, but uh, always appreciate coming <laughs> on here and, goes. <laughs> and chatting with you, Linda, and happy to come on anytime as, as things develop. And uh, I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. And you know, the way it looks with the Senate right now, we're not going to have anything on that front as well. So it's a, it's a frustrating time for a, yeah, democracy. It, yeah, that's what that's what worries me. It's a, it's a scary time for democracy. Thanks, Dan. Take care. I'll talk to you again soon. Hey, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm off on Monday for the MLK holiday. I'll be back with you on Tuesday. We'll be talking to Amarin. So join us for Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. I'm Linda Bolton. Danville's Talk Station, 1490 WDAN Danville, W284DD Danville, and online at vermilioncountyfirst.com. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.